Welcome to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. We're pretty damn excited to bring you an educational and entertaining podcast. But before we get started, we need to recognize a couple of our good supporters, the advertisers who make this podcast possible. I want to recognize SigSour.com. SigSour is one of those firearms companies that you should know about. SIG is a company that, you know, in 21, 22 years of owning pistols, I will tell you that uh, I've owned a good number of SIGs. I've regretted every SIG that I've sold. I mean, we're talking like I had the trail side back in the day. I had the 226 back in the day, a 228 back in the day. I had a 220 that I sold to my buddy, Mike Travis. Um, I think it was Mike Travis. Yeah, it might've been. Um, but I'll tell you, I definitely, definitely regret selling some of these guns. Um, thankfully, I've been able to acquire a few new ones that I'm really, really excited about. I've got a couple 320s, one that is the full size 45. That is just a great, great woods gun. If you like the 45 as a round. And then I've got one 320 and nine mil that is kind of like my, you know, run for the hill zombie gun. 21 round mag, surefire light on it. Black point tactical uh, holster, so, so good. It's one of those sexy guns. You just got to call it sexy. Um, and then, of course, like big fan of 365. Start off with the standard 365. The cool thing with both 320 and 365, super modular. You can get different barrel lengths. You can get different slide lengths. You can get different frames, different size magazines. I mean, you really have all of your grounds covered when you have a 320 and a 365. So when people ask me, which should I get? I tell them both because we live in different seasons and sometimes it's easier to carry a full-size gun. Definitely way easier to shoot a full-size gun than a subcompact. But there are times where you might have to go to a wedding, go to church, go somewhere where you don't want to print and you're going to want to carry that 365 in its smallest format. So guys, Sig Sauer, we've got a bunch of them here at Fieldcraft. Uh, my favorite Sig that I own right now is my MPX. I've been running it and it's like tiny little shorty K conversion, uh, the smallest possible size you can get that thing down to. And that is just such a fun gun. It's way too fast. <laughs> it's one of those things that cost me a lot of money every single time I take it to the range. So uh, please check them out. That's SigSauer.com. We're good friends with that company, as well as a bunch of the instructors at Six Hour Academy. Next company I want to recognize is Black Rifle Coffee. Um, you got a lot of interesting folks that work over at Black Rifle Coffee. Matt Best, Evan Hafer, uh, my friend Dana Monroe, Reagan. And, you know, they are doing a lot for the industry, a lot for the, the folks that operate in the great outdoors, right? They've got BJ Baldwin and Travis Pastrana on their, their racing team. And they've got some amazing products. If you visit us or if you see us on the road and we're driving our, our Sprinter van that's got Black Rifle Coffee all over it and we're at a rest stop, do not hesitate to come up to us and say, hey, do you have Black Rifle Coffee? Because chances are we have some of the ready to drink stuff that is in our cooler and we'll just hand one out to you. Um, it's actually kind of cool when people stop me and they're like, hey, do you work for Black Rifle Coffee? And I'm like, well, Fieldcraft, but we're really good friends but here's some black rifle coffee anyway. Um, I've never had a bad experience when I've walked into a uh, black rifle coffee shop and they are popping up across the country now. And I'll tell you that if you don't like going out and buying coffee at you know stores like that and you just wanna make it at home, they got you covered, right? There's all sorts of ready to drink drinks. There is ground coffee. There's the instant coffee packs. If you like to travel, you got all sorts of stuff. So please check out blackriflecoffee.com. If you want to use our coupon code, it is craft15. I can't guarantee what is going to be uh, discounted when you use that. I know the ready to drink stuff, not so much, but definitely the powdered coffee. So use craft15 and we'll be able to hook you up a little bit with a bit of savings. So guys, here we go. Let's get to this podcast. Um, It's kind of cool, man, that I, I ain't seen you um since I beat your ass in the use of sock sniper comp. Um, we might, we might need to check that because I looked it up to make sure that I wouldn't be on the brown. Oh, you might've beat me in that one. I did beat you in that one. Well, that's the one where I had that. Oh, st okay. young staff sergeant. No, you walked into it. I think it, we Mike. did 12th. We did 12th that year. We got, we got six The from first to, I want to say like 10th, there was a couple 13 points. point yeah 13 yeah. point separation or something like that. that's your total andy and uh tyler won it yes yeah and that 
literally you didn't shoot it the year before i didn't shoot it the year before i shot it the two years prior got so so i shot it the year before and kicks mass that's when i was that's when it was hard because i heard you were showing up that's why i didn't shoot it that year yeah mike's going oh i can't show (laughs) damn we did get our asses handed to us but we at least we beat the seals they didn't have a good showing that year they never really do yeah they never really do during the loophole stage the guy literally came to me and said you guys got a what's this loophole formula yeah and i was like oh so do you have a kestrel it's like Hmm? It's a Kestrel. You should get Stump and Carl on the phone like right now. I know. And just be like, hey, we're talking trash about you. <laughs> They're going to know soon. <laughs> um, you you were, I mean, would you say that the majority of your career, like if you define your career, do you go, yeah, I was a Green Beret? Or do you go like, I was a sniper? Like, I remember you as being a sniper because you yeah. were. Well, I went to, uh, I went to SIFSIC really early on in my career. Mm-hmm. Um I, I don't know if it was like identified or we just had an open slot and they sent me down there and um, did well. And I kind of hung in that arena for, for all of my, my time on the white side. That was kind of my, yeah my gig. Um, and I, I really enjoyed the craft, man. I, I, I like the ballistician side of it, like that, all the, the physics behind it is fascinating. And um, so I kind of really gleaned to that. And the technology on that side of the house is just, it's growing so quickly. Um, I, just, I was just attracted to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I would say a sniper. Um, and you were a JTAC too, right? Yeah. Did you go to SOTAC? Uh, I went to NTAC. I went to the one out in Fallon. We actually- Oh, that's the legitimate one. Yeah. SOTAC's guys, more uh, ECAS based. Yeah. yeah. Uh, from what I understand, I don't know. I went to- I went to SOTAC. The one in Fallon, they actually used the Top Gun pilots. So Top Gun's are actually in Fallon, Nevada, for those that don't know. But uh, we use those guys for CAS and- that was a that was a really cool experience for me getting to debrief those guys after the fact on on all of our our live calls and whatnot it was really cool. So were you, were you a sniper at the time? I was. Yeah. So when we did that, I mean, I can't remember what year I went to SOTAC. I went to SOTAC because I I might have failed. I failed the shoot in for sniper school. What year was that? That was when they went it went and they said you had to shoot three out of five groups. Yeah, yeah. Two green, green, green tip. Yeah. And we, we did it uh, and it was early morning and I was already in the SIF. I was an assaulter for two years and a mm-hmm. breacher. And they said, um, you got to shoot in. And, um, I said, well, I can't really see. And like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't know, man. Like I can't see the target. I'm like, whatever, shoot it. And I only got two groups out of five. You had to get three out of five and you had to put them into the circle, which I think is like a one and a half inch circle. Yeah. It was, I think it was one inch. It was one inch circle at 25 meters, which isn't impossible, but it's not easy. Right. And, and I failed it. And my team sergeant was like, like you're one of the best shooters on the team. Like, what are you talking about? You failed it. I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) I went to the optometrist that day and found out my left eye was 2040. That's no bueno. And I'm like, Oh, that might be a problem. And so I got glasses and shot in the next time and had like 2010 laser focus vision of course. and smoked everybody's ass. Yeah. I actually got top shooter in cyber school. No now, kidding. We got top team because okay. they did a shooter aggregate. Yeah. We got top team and um, found out I was blind, man. And um, oh, yeah. But they sent me to SOTAC and I, I know I was one of the first snipers that went because the justification for the SIF companies were if a dude's sitting in a hide site, Bro. instead of adding a just combat controller, who's not a gun really. I mean, they're guns, but right. um, we could have a sniper who's JTAX or huge force multiplier. Yeah. Huge. You had to be one of the first ones. Cause I think that's time. Yeah. Well, we kind of, they, they had just rewritten the charter for the Chris at the, we had the CRIF conference uh, down there at um, the ATF. Yep. Um, and that's where the discussion kind of originated. And then, uh, Aberdeen training facility for you guys yeah. are like, you guys were communicating with the ATF. Nope. We no. weren't doing that. No, no, not at all. No. Um, but I, I think, uh, Jimmy, who was uh, my troop star major at the time, Jimmy Adams, mm-hmm. and he, it was kind of his idea. And he's like, Hey man, why, why don't we do this? I mean, mm-hmm. we would always get a portion J tax from, uh, you know, some air force unit or whatnot, but it's like, why don't we have those internal? You know, it's just a, such a good force multiplier. Um, so yeah, it was uh I was honored and and after that we started sending guys on the regular. So 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. So did you think that was difficult? I thought it, it kicked my ass. The, I think the hardest part was memorizing the ordinance and the capabilities. Yeah. That was kind of, and it's the weaponry, I think is what the actual term uh, that the pilots use. Because it's all new to us. Yeah, man. But I don't know, put the bomb here, make make that go away. Yeah. That would help us out tremendously. How how many weeks was that when you went through? (sighs) I want to say it was four or five, four, five weeks. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. SOTAC was only three weeks. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it was basically ECAS. It was the guy, it was what the guys used for a train up prior to going to the, that course. I got where you. they got their certification. I got you. Um, so, uh, me and you go way back and you had, um, time in the army like I did. I went into 90, I went in the army in 97. Yeah. And so we have similar S careers because our careers sunk up in selection for us. And then also the Q course, our Q course dates, because our MOSs were different, were, were off right. on. But then um, uh, the time of service in war and the global war on terror was essentially the same right. time period. Right. Um, I mean, I did a, I mean, we did similar as things and you, you and a one five. Well, the initially I was some white side, I was second battalion, fifth, fifth, uh, fifth group mm-hmm. and uh, an alpha company. And we were, we were in Baghdad. That was, that was RAO. Um, yeah. we, we had the commandos when the, uh, the SIFs at the time, the SIFs had, um, ICTF. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we, so we were kind of the support element. I, I kind of equate it to, uh, the national mission force for Iraq and then the Ranger regiment to Iraq being the commandos. Yeah. It's just kind of, yep. kind of how I, I break it out to people. Um, and kind of used in a similar role as well. So, um, setting up not to get into TTPs or anything, but, you know, from a strategic standpoint, they were similar use, use those units the same way. Yeah. So, and you did a couple of rotations with that, them. Yeah. And then you went over to a one five. Well, I got to a one five after I was an instructor down at our, um, at our SOTIC at fifth group. So I did that for three years. Um, and that's where I really like took from the operational side and kind of started getting into the technical side of, of long range shooting. Um, which opened up a lot of doors shot, um, on the civilian side, shooting competitions, uh, just gleaned massive amounts of information from, mm. from shooting from, from those competitions. Like the, the best shooters that I consider in the world, long gun are two farmers from Louisiana Yeah, you know? and just wealth of knowledge and, and experience and all of that stuff we brought back to the course. And we took that, that kind of archaic, uh, POI and just broadened it out and, you know, added the technology that was out there. And that's when the Kestrel came out and we started going to Todd's and, mm-hmm. and all those things. So, um, I'm really, I, I guess to be perfectly honest, I'm most proud of my time there, but yeah. just because of the capability it brought to the force. Yeah. I feel like that, that we did a really good job in the group of guys that I worked with evolving your specific unit. Yeah. Man. Yeah. yeah. And that's really what it's all about. Were you running the level twos? In yeah. That cor- yeah. Yeah. So level two for you guys and gals who are listening to this, like, SIFSIC or SODIC, Special Operations Tactical Interdiction Course, or the Special Forces Sniper Course, as it's called today, it makes you a level one sniper. And there's certain prerequisites, training, and then things that it allows you to do. And then you have the level twos, which basically is getting guys dialed in to being a designated marksman, uh, uh, spotters potentially for snipers or, or shooters potentially for spotters, um, which helped increase the forces capability. And he, he did that instruction for three years at being in that role. Yeah. Um, you get to the tail end of your career and you know, I'm, I'm kind of short stroking as I do every day. Hey, <laughs> I see what you did. There. Uh, um, I'm Asian from the waist down. Uh, hey, I'm, I'm with you. Dude. Yeah, I got you. Half Asian, man. <laughs> um, so I, or sub-Saharan African from the waist down. Apparently I'm sub-Saharan Is that the new African. thing? That is because everybody apparently has sub-Saharan African in them. I like that. So I'm like, wherever my, I know exactly where my sub-Saharan is and it's not my feet. It makes you sound more important. It does. Sub-Saharan. Yeah. Asian. But you sound fancy. Whew. Whew. Imagine Sub-Saharan. walking into a yeah. party and saying that. Yeah. yeah. They're like, are you Saharan? I'm like, I'm actually sub-Saharan. How did you know that? <laughs> Man, see all the stuff this we is a know. Good podcast, <laughs> we know all the stuff. We're so smart. Oh, so smart. Um, we, I want to gl- gleam over the, 
the military career because there's so much more impactful stuff to talk about post-military. But um, you had a good run. You did a lot of the combat. How many rotations did you get out of, uh, out of war? Did eight. So two to Afghanistan, six to Iraq, and then multiple in that theater, you yeah. know, as we all do. We yeah. don't necessarily call them combat rotations, but there's always the implication and the problem. Yeah. Places. Secondary, tertiary kind of things. So. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a good yeah. run. Yeah, it is. Man. And then uh, we hit it in the prime time. I would wow. say like uh, this, we got the Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, did. everybody who was um, in that period of time at USASOC, working with task force, working with the CIF, working with regiment, whatever it was, got a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah, it's kind of like we talked about last night. It'll, it'll never be done that way again, mm-hmm. ever, you know. Yeah. A lot of that history is referenced to Stanley McChrystal's task force and the action arms and indies and the gloves coming off and going, hey, we're going to war. We're, right. We could win this, but we have to do it by a war of attrition, which meant we were operating at the speed of war, killing and capturing uh, a lot of bad guys. Right. Yeah. And if we didn't do that strategy and those tactics, we would have lost the whole entire conflict. So yeah, good for, good for them. It, um, was, it was super apparent when that shift happened, happened on our end, you know, mm-hmm. it was the direct effect on the end user. How did you, how did you fare through that experience with your family? Uh, that was, that was tough, man. Um, you know, to be perfectly honest with you, I was, I, I don't know that that experience it kind of, I want to say not to, it kind of made me sick for lack of a better term. You know, mm-hmm. it was, uh, it was really difficult to deal with as far as being present on that side, because you were constantly thinking about or preparing to go, to go back, you know, and mm-hmm. you have to, you get caught in that mindset and you get stuck there. And I feel like that's kind of what happened to guys back then. And, and it's, still thousands and thousands of our brothers out there that are suffering from that, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was, it, it's, it changes people, man. You know? Yeah. And you know that. Yeah. I, I, uh, in the choir. I always talk about the, the analogy of thinking about it as like dogs of war and you could train up a dog to go to war and bite people and do what it does. But you have to have an expectation that when it comes home, you just can't throw that dog on the couch and have it around your family and expect everything to be okay. There's going to be conditional thing. It, it, like people go, where was the trauma? What was the incident? What happened? And it's never post-traumatic stress based off of one event. Right. It's an accumulation of conditioning that changes the person. Yeah. And when you try to take that person and simulate, us simulate them into a sovereign, uh, free and, uh, often passive society, you're going to see some things kind of float to the surface. Yeah, man. Um, You know, we both got brothers that um, have had their, had their legal troubles after they, it's separation from the tribe. You can't tell me any different. You know, when, when you're separated from the tribe at that point, you isolate, you're alone with your thoughts and that's your new normal and you grow comfortable there. And that's, that's when things get dangerous. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. Get scary. Yeah. And, and you're essentially what I equate it to walking around dead. That's, that's what I refer to the time when I was suffering through that. It was like, I was, I was essentially walking around dead. I didn't care. I didn't care about ramifications of my actions. I didn't care about, you know, I, I was incapable of caring yeah. because I'd lost that. I'd left all that stuff downrange, you know, I'd left all those capabilities are slowly chipped away mm. each time you go over there. That's kind of how I look at it. I really like the dog analogy too, though. That's, that's a really, that's a really good way to put it where I think people could understand that. You know? Yeah. The walking dead one's a good one too. Cause you, you become more primal 100%. and you just start reverting back to primal instincts and emotion and coping mechanisms and yeah. all your normal civil psychology kind of goes to the wayside. Cause yeah. you're worried about living. Yeah. You're, you're, you're searching for, you're searching for happiness and, and it's, you're, it's like putting it through a sif, you know, it's just falling through, you know, you're, you're, you're no longer a vessel that can experience joy, experience happiness, experience mm-hmm. love. And, you know, that that's that was my personal experience. I don't know if how to really put it into words, but I mean, that that's kind of close to where I was. I mean, I was just I was I was nothing, you know. So you 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 bottomed out. I'm assuming there's probably some traumatic events that that you could probably literally um 
uh, recollect of you being at the very bottom, but somehow you kind of got out of that, right? You, you hit the bottom and then you start working yourself up out of it. What was, what was it that the, the, the commonality amongst us all is there's a bottom, right? But I'm more interested in what pulled you out of that. What was, what was it that allowed you to kind of start scratching your way to the surface? Well, so I tried, um, I'd been to inpatient rehab. Um, I'd been to outpatient rehab. I was going to meetings, all of those things, but it wasn't in the end, this is looking back hindsight. I wasn't addicted to a substance. I was addicted to that brief period where I didn't have to think about that stuff, where I I didn't have Mm -hmm. to experience that stuff unwillingly. I didn't have intrusive thoughts. I was, that's what I was addicted to. It's that false, that false sense of, of happiness, Mm -hmm. you know, that was chasing that. Um, Mm -hmm. I tried everything and I'd started researching, uh, I don't know, this might get a little controversial, but, uh, I was researching, uh, psychedelic therapy and Mm -hmm. I'd been researching it for about a year and Jimmy again called and uh, he's like, Hey, I want you to go do this because we, share a love and a bond between our brothers that Mm -hmm. is unbreakable. And no matter what happens, you know, you always, there's those, those chosen few that always have your back. And Jimmy's been that for me. Um, And he's like, I want you to go do this, man. And I was like, it's funny you say that because I've been looking into it. And uh, so I linked up with, uh, with mission within and went down to Mexico and did the, did the experience and whatnot. And it took all of that off of me. I, it, it's it's gone. I, I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how it works, but it just took it off. Like I don't, I no longer have to think that way. I'm not, it reset my fight or flight. Uh, that That's the best way I can explain it. it. It took all those things away and I'm able to, live my life fully. Now I'm able to be present. I'm able to love my family and my friends, like truly love them, man. It's, it saved my life, like absolutely saved my life, bro. And changed it. And my life did a 180. Was it, um, was it peyote or was it psilocybin? I did, uh, my experience was Ibogaine was the first, uh, was the first administered substance. And then, there's a day or two of recovery in there because that's a, that's a big one. It's apparently the most powerful one known to man. Um, and I can attest to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, on the the last day we did five MEO DMT and that, so I equate it to, I say Ibogaine took the old bandage off to breathe the wound, put in medicine and put a new bandage on. And then when I did five MEO DMT, it just took it all away completely. Yeah. I've done the latter. Yeah. And um, part of the part of the process is there's associative characteristics of experiences and trauma and how it correlates to a uh, recollection of a memory and then your a physical reaction. Right. It's a similar thing when uh, you get conditioned because you, know, you walk in the high desert and you're used to coming across snakes. So you have a a physiological response right. based on that recollection. And you could walk across a rock that you think is a snake Have and your true. body reacts the same. Yeah. And those things like psilocybin DMT, they essentially recreate an uh, alternate neural pathway, uh, an alternate course of action, an alternate um, path and takes that old connection kind of breaks it doesn't break the synapsis. It's a bad way of saying it. It more flanks the yeah. synapsis or the connection and gives you alternate routes, which I think is amazing. Yeah. That's exactly how I would have put it. Yeah. I wouldn't have, I had no yeah. idea, which it yeah. fixed my brain, Mike. That's what, <laughs> you know what it I mean? fixed my stuff. <laughs> yeah. I got a lot of stuff and it fixed it. I had stuff up there. Now it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's awesome. I think it's fascinating. Cause, yeah. um, it used to be controversial. I don't think it's controversial. Anymore. Yeah. I think there's, there's a lot of uh, organizations out there that are, or promoting it and, and funding research and stuff. And I, I, I recommend it to everybody that has 
that I recognize that is going through that stuff. You yeah. know? And some guys hide it well, man. And it's those oh, yeah. are the phone calls you get. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. what? I can look in people's eyes and go. You, they wear it. Yeah, they, you, they do. They wear and it, and it's, it's weird because we have, I think we have the optic yeah. to be able to see through yeah. that because we could see pain. Yeah. And it's the same, same. I mean, I think we could see the pain because we rec- we've, we've been so. Yeah close to recognizing uh the patterns well that was your normal at one time. that was your normal yeah. that's right you it's your baseline it's familiar yeah 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 it's crazy man well i'm glad you bounced back out of that and now um you're married remarried yes wonderful family you got the yeah. brady bunch going incredible on incredible family um erica who is an amazing woman is your now spouse yeah she's yeah. uh yeah and she she had a large part in uh in me turning everything around as well. I don't yeah. want to take, uh, I can't take all the credit. She obviously yeah. had a large part in that. We, um, I essentially ha- I had a choice, man. I, and not to bring faith into it, but God's I, my, my uncle had passed and we went and cleaned out his apartment. And I was like, that could be me in 10 years Yeah, know, with nothing. But and, what's left in boxes in your apartment. Yeah, man. And I didn't want that. You know, and I, it was, God's like, you can have that. Or you can have the rest of your life living the hottest woman in Kentucky, and I would say in the states, honestly. Yeah, I mean, you know, like all the states, like fifty of them, all fifty. Well, yeah. the, the lower forty-eight. I won, bro. Have you I been won to Hawaii? The <laughs> or we to Alaska? Go. We need to do a There's class a few in Hawaii. Eskimos. I've if, done a couple classes. If we do a class in Hawaii, if we do another one, yeah. It's yeah. like, uh, Mike, we went 10, negative 10,000 on that class. <laughs> I'm not sure what happened, but yeah. there was a, re- a retreat, a yeah. uh, spa. Something about a catamaran. A catamaran. Uh, it was or, weird. Yeah. Uh. We, we could do, we could, we could do that. We could arrange that. Um, Erica, what's Erica's background? Uh, generally just awesome. Uh, so she's, uh, <laughs> she's from camp. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Camp awesome sauce. <laughs> <laughs> she is. No, she really is. Uh, so Erica is the current Mrs. Kentucky. And uh, she's kind of, so my buddy calls me. He's like, hey, are you single? And I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm single. I've been single for a while. It was kind of taking some that time working on myself. That's the way you said that. No, no, no. It was healthy. It was healthy <laughs> single. single. No, it was healthy single. I was working on myself. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I was trying to get happy with myself. Yeah. yeah. I, I know where your mind went. I, I went there. Stop. I know. It did. I know. Sorry. Um, it was there. But he's like, are you single? And, uh, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I've been single. He's like, well, I want you to meet somebody. He's like, now I'm going to tell you up front. She's kind of high maintenance. She's, she was Miss Kentucky at that time. And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, whatever. I'm not scared. So <laughs> we started talking, uh, talking over the phone for a little bit. And she showed up to my son's Wyatt, uh, my son Wyatt's baseball tournament and, that day, I knew. I was just like, yeah, that's the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty incredible. I'm blessed beyond what I deserve, man. It's, it's, uh, I'm glad that I'm able to live this life and, and coming from the place that I was in where I just didn't, I didn't care if I woke up the next day or not to be here is just, I, I'm so, so grateful for all the things that I've been blessed with, man, since I've, since my life has turned around to include being part of this organization. Yeah. And I told you that last night, I'm so, so proud of you. And so thank you, man. So happy to see what this organization does for our communities, um, for our, our clients. It's, it's super fulfilling. It's, it's my new job. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's my, it's so fulfilling to, to, at the end of the class to have these people come up and just, you know, thank you and, and, and be sincere. It's oh, not, yeah. it's, it's not, you know, it's yeah. not, it's not show business. It's not, we're, we're giving you confidence and time in a bad situation. I hope people never have to use any of the stuff that we talk about, but just to see the gratitude at the end of the classes and, and have, have repeat uh, clients come back and say, Hey, when's your next class? I want to come. It's amazing, dude. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredible. It truly is. It's been an amazing experience. I, wow. like I, I told the guys, before, I mean, a lot of people, I don't, I'm trying to, I don't want people to affiliate or associate me being Phil Craft. I want people to associate as you guys being Phil Craft because you guys are the reason Phil Craft is so successful, but also what Phil Craft stands for, which is like we did in special operations when we wanted to be the best, 
we source subject matter experts from all yeah. lines. I mean, the guy who is the, the locksmith because you're doing surreptitious entry. Yeah. Uh, the long gun shooter who is a rancher who knows how to shoot prairie dogs, but um, spend his time doing that a lot and is going to bring you some kind of skill sets. Right. And that culmination is a powerhouse. The best thing that Philcraft does is bringing people together over a common objective that's not toxic. Right. It's not political. Right. It's not divisive. It's uh, built around preparedness, which, you know, we, disaster is an equal opportunist. Yeah. I mean, we, we were operating at the tip of the spear with all good intent in mind, uh, with the best trained, best equipped um, resources coming to bear. And you have those days where things fell apart. Yeah, man. So if you're prepared for the worst case scenario and you're, you're doing that with your friends, family and your community, you're setting yourself up for success. That's it, man. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's not even about tactical training. It's, not, it's honestly not about anything that you would recognize in business for Philcraft. It's all about people. It it's is. all about relationships. Yep. Uh, and I think that's the most important. And you're, you're a staple to that. Oh, um, let's enough about Erica. Let's get off of Erica. Yeah. <laughs> enough about that. <laughs> um, but it, I think, I, I think it is important to highlight like we, like I did as a team sergeant, sergeant major in special forces for my guys, their spouses, because let's be honest, if it was just us, we would completely destroy everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are savages Facts. and we need wranglers. <laughs> we need cowgirls to wrangle <laughs> us. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. We need that. And, well, can, I'm 100% wrangled. That's good. Yeah. I could tell you're whipped. I mean, wrangled. Wrangled. Uh, wrangled sounds better. Yeah, it it's sounds like better. South Saharan thing. It, it's the kind yes, of. Yes, it is. It's like, I'm not whipped. I am wrangled. Yeah. Which means kind of like you're not being beat. Yeah. But you're being like a rope around I your still neck. Have, I still have Mustang tendencies. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. the potential. And to, she yanks that rope and just. Yeah. But she's not whipping you. She's not beating no. you down. She's just got in the bridle. Yes. You know? Yeah. Around your neck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean. But you like that. Is what it is. That's what I need. <laughs> I like that. Let's be honest, dude. Uh, what we, we, need. we do. And I, I think every good man, I've always believed this, every good man is is typically backed by a very good woman. Yeah. And I've, um, I've that's that. important. Yeah. And I, 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 I've I found uh, good women or good woman in my life. And uh, that's the key to our success. Got to be a team, man. Got to. Yep. Got to. And for all you lone, lone wolves out there on Tinder, get out of the cabin, man. Get outside, explore, get on Bumble, man. It's a, just a better option. Yeah. Set your manifesto aside for a moment. Yeah. yeah. Get out there, go, go talk to somebody. An actual person. Yeah. Come talk to a, yeah. come, come to a field craft class. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I feel like we just did a Bumble plug or something like that. Hey, that keeps coming up. You got to do it. It's coming. It's, yeah. Dude. It's sponsored by Bumble. It's coming. Um, I, I think it's interesting your background and then this transition and then how you take, how do you take 20 years of experience and kind of migrate into teaching civilians? So I was going to ask you in the, we'll call this like the hot round of questioning. Um, I'm going to ask you a period of a series of questions revolving around training and there's no wrong answers, but I want to get your perspective. All right. um, when it comes to training citizens, civilians what makes what makes it different than the experiences you had in training indigenous people to training um people who are coming to you and they're paying to come to you well i think that the answer from that will come from the motivation hmm. so we talked about this yesterday our demographic like our clients are people who subscribe to the ideology that philcraft was founded on want to be prepared for their families. They, it, there's, it's not a nationalistic thing. It's not a yeah. forced thing. You know, these people want to increase capability and be safer. Yeah. So when they come in with that mindset, um, it makes our job easy to be perfectly honest with you. Mm. Um, we're just conveying information at that point. Um, that's the, I, I think that's the foundation of it is that we are, clients are phenomenal. Yeah. The our demographic, are yeah, the, yeah. Our demographic is, is picture, per, the ideal clients to, to train. Yeah. To be Last year, Phil Craft trained 10,000 citizens by my right. estimates, based on my understanding of the industry, Phil Craft trains more citizens in this country than any tactical training company in the United States, which is a accomplishment that is uh, 
credit due to the hard work of our instructors and our training directors. Um, what's your everyday carry pistol and why? Uh, Glock 19 with a 17 Mac. So Glock 19 capacity. That's what you're used to single action only. That's, that's I've what carried, carried that, in the SIF. I've carried that thing everywhere. Um, actually that specific pistol that I still carry has been, hasn't been downrange at all, but that's the, that's the that's an Iraqi stamp on that gun. What are you talking about? That's weird. <laughs> that's what uh <laughs> but that's what I carry. Um it's familiarity, it's capacity. Um I just it's it's kind of like a part. It's an extension. Yeah. Me. That tool is an extension of me. It's your so, it's your third extremity below the waist. Hey oh, it's another just guy. He's got all the jokes today. Third. Look out. Third. That's why I it's need, a subcompact. It's, it's yeah. That's I need to right. get you into a ten mil or something, man. Get this. Get that thirty five or thirty four. We'll get Erica. Right we'll 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 ask her about that, that later. Big hanger. Yeah, I like how you swing that up. Yeah, smoke wagon, dude. Um, I'm gonna get you into a Sig though. That Glock 19 is a piece of shit. Um, I I like that 365. That, that the one I have on the table right now is a 365 XL. Yeah. I just got you one uh, through Sig. Congratulations. Greatest Congrats. boss ever. No big yeah. deal. Um, I got you one because I, I, I know a lot of guys, even guys who work for us, use different pistols. And to be convinced of a change, you have to build um, a relationship with that tool, consistency, reliability, repeatability. And, you know, you get it, no strings attached because um, the company paid for it. You get it, you shoot it, you like it. Um, you pay me uh, $50 installments for about seven months. Hey, oh, no. I, so when we were doing the down select for the, for the Legion or for what ended up being the Legion, yeah, it was in the, well, I mean, it, it was a open forum in our training director, Sean Kirkwood, who's really popular on Instagram. He posts a lot of stuff on there. Guys yeah. go check him out. Yeah. He's got three, <laughs> three followers, his mom, me and his uncle. He won't even follow me. It's so sad. <laughs> At any rate, he puts out, he's like, Hey guys, we're, we're, we're going to go to SIG. He's like, what, what do you guys want? Um, and my literal reply to that was, I don't, I don't speak SIG. So you guys figure it out. Um, when I received the weapon started shooting, I absolutely love it. Yeah. That thing is a machine, bro. Yeah. Oh, it's well balanced. Yeah. yeah it's incredible. I struggled. I was, was healing under initially because of the ergonomics of the, the grip. Yeah. Um, Not used to that. The, the pitch is a little different than, but yeah. Now that I'm into it, oh my, yeah, that thing is incredible. Yeah, well, I think the you'll be satisfied with a 365 XL, and um, it's my favorite carry gun because I like slim fitting yeah, guns. It's small, it's it's thin. It's an inch thick. Yeah, compared to an inch and uh, nearly a half of a Glock 19, right. and that is substantial. When you know, I wear a size 34 waist, got a belt on, and I'm shoving something down my pants. And it's like pushing out my belt line. Profile reduction. And yeah, all that. Things. Are you carrying appendix carry or are you carrying else? Uh, appendix carry sometimes. Um, I I was actually talking to uh, David Costa about this. It's like, I really don't have a lot of experience appendix carrying. Yeah. It's like, because when I did carry um, low vis, it was at, at three o'clock. Yeah, you know? that's what we always did. So I, I actually had a conversation. I called Dave one day and Dave just like, okay, here's the drills you need to do. Here's how you establish your 30 minute conversation. I didn't say anything. And Dave, uh, pretty much gave me the spiel and I'm, I'm, I'm practicing it more. Mm -hmm. I'm getting more comfortable with it. Um, but like I said, that, that three, six, five though, is that I can see the profile reduction and, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to, to run it. I like the, how the, the grip is longer on it. So you don't have the short grip like you do on the, some other, yeah. frames and whatnot for so us men who have big it's hands really comfortable better so i dude i talk to classes all the time i'm like mike has giant bear paws mm -hmm. and i've got baby hands mm -hmm. so you guys i'm sorry i'm gonna grip gonna grip the pistol a little different yeah than mike does but um so, so haters <laughs> um it's I, great yeah but uh <laughs> i think the the appendix thing me and rick were talking about it and um we, we just didn't, our carry requirements right. kept us a lot on the hip because right. we were doing stuff out and about. But when I was in GRS with the CIA, I, I noticed, and especially doing mobile ops, right. like the, the alternative to 
doing mobile ops and carrying is you're transferring the pistol from your side because it's behind your seatbelt or behind your clothing right. and you want ready access to pushing it into the center console right. or wedged in between the seat. And I don't like that because I don't like doing the in and out thing, especially right. in the parking lot of Walmart. Right. So carrying appendix for me helps me establish a seatbelt, but I could expose the frame and still be comfortable because it's not sitting on my hip flexor. Right. You know, I got you. And it, it's a good position, I think, especially if it's tilted down and away from your femoral artery in your leg. Yeah. It's and, kind of important. Yeah. It's important. Some guys like run at two o'clock and it's like sitting dug in their leg. Yeah. It's like you're trying to kill yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, so why would you do that? Why would you do that? Um, let's talk about your, your mindset a little bit. Right. You've been through a lot of difficult challenges in your life and overcome a lot of adversity. And I'm curious to what your tactics are and keeping yourself grounded, calm, um, and a good headspace. Um, I think gratitude for me is the key. Mm. Honestly, I, uh, my faith is really important to me. Mm. Um, and just being grateful for, you know, we're, we're so, we take a lot of stuff for granted, uh, in this country and, and, you know, you've been downrange and you see what poverty truly looks mm. like, you know, you see people without, um, and just to, to wake up with, with a roof over my head, you know, to wake up and have, have food, you know, and Miss Kentucky, I mean, and Miss Kentucky, she yeah. makes that, that's kind of a given there, Yeah, but I don't take it for granted. Um, but, but no, that, that's it, man. Honestly, it's, it's the gratitude and just being thankful for all the things that I've been blessed with, man. And the people in my life, like I, I keep a pretty small circle. Like mm. I have, I have a core group of friends from my old job that I keep in contact mm. with on a, on a regular basis. Um, and I have, uh, my team here at Philcraft mm. to be perfectly honest with probably one of the best group of people that I've ever had the experience of working. And I've worked with some incredible human beings mm. and, and you have to, but man, all of the, all of the instructors here, at least on like on the firearm side that, that I've worked with and, and are familiar with just incredible human being. I mean, we talk two, three times a week to each other. We check in on each other, you mm. know, just, it's like having a new team. Yeah. We're just at different fire bases. I love that, man. It's the truth, bro. They, they, every, every person I've worked with on our staff is, is I, they're like, I posted yesterday in my story. Like I work with my heroes. That's awesome, man. Yeah. It's the truth. man. I feel the same way. I, I, it's weird because I feel like a battalion sergeant major where I don't get to interact with the boys. And sometimes they come into town, I get to play with the guys. Hey hey guys, I'm cool still. (laughs) And the guys are like, get out of here, nerd. Like get back to your staff job. And so I go back to the computer and do my PowerPoints, but I, it, it feel it's awesome to see that from a, from a team guy perspective, because selfishly, uh, when I built Phil craft, the entire objective was to feel like I felt with more balance when we were on active duty, more control, more, more, control. more balance, more, yeah. you can, your strategy was just that. Yeah. What would you tell me? Honestly, two, 265 days on the road. Mm-hmm the first year or the second year, maybe. And it's come from that to three facilities here. There's one in Aberdeen, 10,000 people train. Come on, bro. Oh yeah. The Dallas thing. I can't wait for that. That's going to be insane, bro. You got to get you guys to move to Dallas. Um, I'll be moving to Dallas. I'm actually going to buy a horse property north of Dallas and I'll need a real estate agent. So you guys will have to get in front of me on that. Um, Mrs. Texas. Well, with the Frisco area where we're looking right now, we're waiting on approval from the, the Frisco building space, 13,000 square foot, SIG Pro Elite shop, Black Rifle Coffee shop, um, Phil Craft Pro shop, enough seminar space for 150 people, a back end to teach CQB to law enforcement and home defense, what we're calling close quarters defense for civilians. We could run simulation, simulation flat range courses in the back. Wow. Uh, we got a dojo room, which Dave will be happy about that. And then uh, we have media space and offices. So my team, Kevin Owens, will be going there once a week, one weekend a month. I'll be doing one weekend a month. Amber will be doing one weekend a month. And likely you guys will be doing one weekend yeah. a month. Yeah, so awesome. that combination with 7.6 million people who love America in Dallas-Fort Worth area. That's awesome. It's awesome, man. Yeah, that's going to be incredible. Just real quick on Dave, I I keep about a five-foot safety 
radius in there because mm-hmm. his hands and his knife stuff. He's a killer, man. He scares me, dude. He, he like every time he goes to take a poop, he like stabs that dummy. First time I met him, I'm man. like, "Hey, man, what's up?" Dude? Yeah, just keeping that space. In yeah, there, you know, you text him like, "Hey, man, what's up?" Yeah, like, I'm I'm right in front of you. Like I know, just yeah. keep your distance. He's like standing right here. Yeah, keep out the 21 foot range for like that close the distance. Yeah, drill. bro. Dude. You better extend that for He's a day. Dangerous, scary. Bro. His podcast dropped today. I'm stoked. About oh, that. dude, I want to listen to it. Every yeah, day. it's on the Mike Force podcast. Dave Acosta, who will be, we're at ninety nine percent as long as he accepts the, the <laughs> offer of running the Dallas Fort Worth uh, Training Center. And the goal for Phil Craft is to evolve through the country, looking at demographics, yeah. looking at spots that are prime time real estate, um, where we have the following and we could start um, building patrol bases. That's exactly it. Throughout the country. Um, Last questions. Three of them. Send them. What makes you happy? Her. My kids. Hmm. My family. That's bottom line, dude. Um, If you had one day because it was the last day, what would you do that day? I just pulled that out of my ass just now. That's just pretty good. Made that up. All right. Can I cut it in half? Because I would probably go skydive. It's your last day. I'd go skydive and I'd spend the majority of it with my family. But I'd yeah. take my family skydive. There we go. That'd be fun. Yeah, we can go skydive tomorrow. I mean, it's done. You don't have to wait till your last day. Check. <laughs> um, what, it, what is your favorite thing about Erica? Favorite thing about Erica? Her kindness. Mm. She's... She's so kind and so open and so understanding of people. She accepts me for me. Barely though. Which is really difficult. Really difficult. I might, I I get, I have found someone I can spend the rest of my life with that I can be myself with. Oh, that's invaluable. Did she accept that? Yeah. She said, yes, dude, I tricked her. (laughs) She (laughs) fell for it, bro. That's why I tell everybody I won. I won. Whatever it takes, man. Whatever, at all costs. Bro. Whatever it takes That's at all it. costs. That's it. Um, what was your favorite thing about being um, in special operations? The guys. The guys, man. I, I tell people, you know, you, you've probably gotten it too. She's like, oh, you must have been a badass. And my response to that is I wasn't a badass, but I worked with a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the most phenomenal human beings on the planet and that's, I can say that with all sincerity. Yeah. Such an honor to be amongst those guys. Mm. Just walking down that hallway every day, you know, going to the range with those guys and just, I miss it, but it's something that I've rebuilt out here. Yeah. Through, through Fieldcraft, to be perfectly honest. I work with some of the most phenomenal human beings on the planet still. Mm. It's just not there anymore. You know? Yeah. Different, different life. I always love how we think our lives are over when the military is over. A lot of guys are like, man, I don't even know where to begin. Yeah. But it's like a new life. It really is. It's a new is, lease. Man. It really is. Yeah. It, it's a new life. You nailed it, man. It, it truly is. A lot of, a lot of crossover, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of commonality, hmm. but it, it, it is new and it's, man, it's so exciting. And there's, there's no limit on the potential, you know? I, I truly knew once everything got right here, I was like, I'm going to be, and this is not coming from an ego standpoint. It's not coming from a con, like being conceited. I'm going to be successful. I just don't, the degree of success is up to me. Mm. Yeah. I surround myself with successful people. Mm. Um, what I deem successful mm-hmm. and it, that has nothing to do with financial capability. I mean, it does, obviously there's some financial freedom allows you to do mm. the things that you want to do, but smart people, mm. sound grounded people. Mm. Um, and that's what we have here at Phil Ground. It's the truth, that. man. I love that, man. That's well, it's just the truth. Thanks for that, man. That means a lot. And um, I'm looking forward to the, the training and all the future and, and all the things that we have to do. I yeah, mean, yeah. We got a lot of work to do. We do have a lot of work to the do. The nation's not doing really healthy. Um, and that's, I, I feel a obligation to kind of direct our assets like you and the energy that you, that you and, and we have as a team to help the nation be better prepared, better positioned 
for those worst case scenarios. That's and, the thing, man. Yeah. This this organization offers a glimmer of hope for people that are sitting home watching the news or, or picking up on all that stuff on social media, all the negative stuff. You can decide how much energy you give towards that. Mm. Or you can shift your energy to improve your your situation. Mm. You know, the the opportunity is there. You know, and and Phil Crab's not the end all be all, man. Mm-hmm. But we are an asset that that's available to anyone. You know, so I love that. That's where I'm at. Thanks for that, man. Yeah, it's the truth. Man. I appreciate you and uh, appreciate Erica. You guys taking the time to come out here. Um, if you want to follow Casey and put Erica's stuff in there too. Yeah. Um, down in the links below. Make sure you follow them on your Instagrams. What's your Instagrams? Uh, Instagrams. It's Casey.Fieldcraft mm-hmm. uh, for Fieldcraft. And it's uh, Hildreth.Casey. Hildreth. H-I-L-D-R-E-T-H. Spoken from a Southern Saharan. <laughs> Listen to that. I'm impressed. You know stuff, dude. I, I know a little bit of stuff. You didn't throw the A in there like most people do. I know. So. I, I typically would do that, but I know the place that I'm at in my life right now with you. Yeah. And it it feels good. He's like, you know what? I wouldn't I wouldn't throw an A on him like that. I would not yeah. do that. Thank you, Mike. You're welcome, man. It was fun talking about stuff with you. Yeah. And uh, if you guys uh, follow Casey and follow the guys from Phil Craft, make sure you come out and train with us. This will be on the Phil Craft Survival channel. I also got the uh, Mike Lover actual channel. If you guys are uh, listening to this and you haven't hit the subscription or the subscribe, um, that's just dumb. You got to hit that thing because you can't get tuned in to the notification and knowing when guys like Casey do more content because we're about to go out and do more content until he dry starts dry heaving as an indication that he's done. It's awful. <laughs> it's so hard. We'll shut it down then. <laughs> um, but we got more content to come from you and I appreciate you guys tuning in and all your support. Thank you, Casey, for coming on the podcast. Cheers. Thank you, Mike. Peace out guys. Thank you. Thank you.